it's really good to be with you and sharing from God's word. And we've been going through a series taken out of um, Elijah and Elisha and their stories are found in the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And we've been discovering what what has been going on in the life of these two amazing men. I mean, we haven't touched Elisha yet. Today we introduce Elisha. And, um, but we, most of all, we discover what God does through them, how God acts. And um, I just thought we'd have a little recap. Shall I test you? <laughs> Shall I call you out? <laughs> no, we won't do that, Duncan. <laughs> Duncan, yeah, go on, go on. No, just a quick recap for those of you who maybe are visiting or if you've missed something. So in week one, we discovered Elijah, this incredible man of prayer and how God answered these crazy prayers. I mean, he prayed that there'd be no rain for three years. And God did that because it was in tune with his will. So we discover that God will answer prayers that are aligned to his will and purpose. And in week two, we discover God's provision. There was an extreme famine going on and um, God provided for Elijah first of all uh, through um, food was being brought to him by ravens but also there was a, a widow and her son and they had almost nothing left literally she had enough to make one more meal and then they were just going to die but Elijah told her make the thing make the meal and give it to me and she had to she had to take that, that, it was a moment of real trust, but she recognised this man of God. And in fact, she did that, made the meal, gave it to Elijah, and then God provided for her and ensured that all her needs were met. In, God, in week three, uh, God demonstrates his sovereignty and power on Mount Carmel. You know, that's one of my favourite stories. When I used to work with the children, we used to do this thing with the, you know, and um, the prophets of Baal who were calling on Baal, who is this inanimate and useless thing. And they were calling on him and cutting themselves and all sorts was going on. And then Elijah says, OK, you done now. Is that all you got? Where are you, Baal? Are you sleeping? And then my favourite bit, are you in the toilet? Yes, the Bible says that. You know, is your God relieving himself? And, but when it comes to actually demonstrating the power of the one true God, and Elijah puts all these other measures in place, you know, he, he throws water all over the sacrifice, and nothing, nothing can get in the way of God revealing himself. And God is so powerful in that moment. And they truly recognise he must be the one true God. And then last week, um, Jebson shared with us how God is in the whisper. So we discover Elijah in this moment, he's very tired, he's very discouraged, He's very human, you know. He's seen some incredible stuff and yet he has this real human moment where he's just fed up. Jezebel, Queen Jezebel was trying to kill him and he's running away and he's just so exhausted. And in the chaos, he can't really feel or see God and sometimes that happens to us. We're so caught up. There's a lot of talk of anxiety this morning. And I just feel God really wants to break something of that because, you know, the Bible talks about fear so much. Do not be afraid. 
do not fear, do not be fearful, because God knew that fear was going to stop us in our track. Fear will grip us. Fear will send us backwards or will stop us from doing what we're meant to do. But, but God was there all along and he was just in the whisper. When Elijah finally stopped panicking and ranting and all of that, he was able to hear God and feel him again. And God said to him, um, Elijah, go back the way you came. You've been running away. Go back. And on your way back, you're going to do a couple of things. And one of the things he was going to do was anoint Elisha. It's time to prepare the successor. And we're going to discover about Elisha today. So we pick up the story from there. And um, the one thing that today's sermon is is supposed to focus on, well, I might go off track, sorry, as long as it flows, <laughs> is, um, is on the double portion, because Elisha, Elisha at, one, at some point, when, when the handover takes place, he's going to ask for something called a double portion. But I feel there's so much going on here that God's got a few things for us today. Okay, so let's all keep our ears right, ready. So... I'm going to read, first of all, from 1 Kings 19. Is it coming up? There it is. So we're going to talk the calling of Elisha. And it says, so Elijah went from there. So this is where God has said, Elijah, go back, go back. And on your way, you're going to anoint Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And so there we are, introduced to Elisha. We don't know much about him other than he was the son of Shaphat, whoever. And um, he was possibly quite well off, actually. Apparently 12 oxen demonstrates big piece of land. So he was comfortable. And, um, and that's probably all we know in terms of the day-to-day -day stuff. But what I picked up from this, and I hope you pick it up too, is that his response to Elijah was exemplary. You know, there's no false modesty here. At no point does he say, oh, what, Elijah, me? No, surely not. There's loads of prophets. Why me? Because, you know, they had these schools of prophets at the time, and Elijah would minister to these prophets. Um, and it's believed that Elisha was not one of them. He was not part of that. And so he, he really wasn't who would, would have been expected to have been the successor. And yet he, um, he doesn't need to be asked twice, does he? I get a real sense of excitement. Like he's, he ran, he just, I get a sense that he just, hold on, Elijah, don't go without me. Let me just go and say goodbye to my parents. And he didn't just do that. He then got rid of those, that, those poor oxen, you know, <laughs> they got it. <laughs> and, um, and they must have thought, oh, no, here comes another prophet. Um, 
But it was the end, yeah, it was the end of that chapter. He properly closed with that part of his life. You know, he sacrificed the ox, he burnt the plough, the equipment, he fed the people with it, he was generous, he gave it, and then he went and served under Elijah. Um, the thing I take from that is, first of all, um, God will choose who he will choose. Sometimes it's not obvious. God will open doors and give opportunities to people who were not the obvious choice, who didn't expect it. You know, sometimes God will open a door for us and we're all like, oh, no, no, I've never, I've never wanted that. I've never desired that. Well, I would say don't reject it. If an opportunity comes up, take it to God and say, God, is this you? Is this you? And just wait on him. Because sometimes things will come up that we never expect. Elisha was just ploughing his field, doing his day-to-day -day thing. And the next thing comes Elijah and puts the mantle on him. The mantle is symbol, you are next. The other thing we discover here is a whole mentoring program. Now, I think at some point we need to do a series on this, mentoring. Because <laughs> the Bible has such a strong model of mentoring. We should all have a godly mentor in our life. And when we reach at a certain point, we will get to a maturity where we won't need that mentor in the same way, right? You know, like Moses was mentored by his father-in-law, but then he became the leader. And, um, you know, we discover that Ruth was mentored by her mother-in-law and then she went on to do great things, you know, became the great <laughs> great-grandmother of King David and, and all of that. So at some point, we may not need the mentor in the same way, but we should always have godly people in our lives that we trust, that we uh, can confide in. You know, Jesus, he had the 12, but within the 12, he had the three. You know, um, Peter, James and John, they were his close guys that he could confide in and these people, they need to have your back. They need to love you so much that they are for you. And they need to be people that are not rocked or shocked by anything you want to share. But while all this is going on, who are you mentoring? We should be looking to the successors, yeah? Who is going to take over? Now, parents, uh, your mentorship is in your home. Your children are your first mentees, aren't they? They're the ones that we have to sow into. Um, but beyond your home, there could be just younger people in, in church, in our lives, in, in our workplace that we should be taking care of. So that's the backstory anyway of how Elisha is called. And also we need to bear in mind that when he called Elisha, Elisha wasn't ready. This didn't happen the next day. We sometimes we read the Bible and we don't realise that there's a period of time between, you know, he calls Elisha, but then Elisha serves Elijah for a number of years before Elijah is taken away from him. So when we think of what is my calling, so Elisha was called. He wasn't the obvious choice, but he was called because God had chosen him. And sometimes I think we struggle with our own calling. You know, what am I called to do? Yes, I come to church. I love God. I, you know, I'm, I try my best. I, I do my bit. But a calling is something else, isn't it? First of all, it should be something exciting. 
I, I call it the thing that makes you lift your head. So if you're thinking, God, what am I called to do? And suddenly, ah, you lift your head. If your head goes down, that's not it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I think it excites us. It's something that stirs us and we're passionate about it. Something that interests us. I think we're also uh, naturally good at it. Not always, but often we have an aptitude for it. I knew a lady a long time ago, such a lovely pastoral lady. She, she knew who was ill, who hadn't been in church for a little while, who needed food, who needed babysitting. She knew all of that, just natural. But her big desire was to be a preacher and a singer. And she was not very good at those two things. <laughs> I'm not talking about me, by the way. Because <laughs> I don't know who's been absent, who's unwell. I'm just not very... <laughs> my head's in the clouds half the time. But, yeah, her desire was to preach and sing. And she just wasn't very good. And when it was her on the rota, it was like, oh, the church was half empty. How awful! <laughs> But she was under the impression that those were the great gifts. They're not the, great, the greatest gifts. Yes, they are gifts for some people, right? But we're all crafted for something. All of us. And I like to think of God's kingdom as this enormous puzzle. And we can't all be the edge. We can't all be the corners. <laughs> you know, that's how you start a puzzle, in case you're wondering. You look for the edges <laughs> and the corners. Many of us are just the tiny little piece in the middle. Most of us are the tiny pieces in the puzzle. But if that piece is missing, that puzzle is rubbish. Yeah, you're right. Yeah? We once found a puzzle where I used to work, and it was an old puzzle of um, Princess Diana and King Charles, Prince Charles. It was their wedding. How It was 100 years old. And this young, this, young, this young student, she was like, oh, I'll do it. I love it. She spent hours on that puzzle, and two pieces were missing at the end. Throw it away. We threw it away. We can do with it. <laughs> no one wants a, an incomplete puzzle, right? <laughs> oh, I used to be so at home if the girls lost puzzle pieces. Well, right, that's it. We are not leaving this house until every piece is accounted for because it's useless, isn't it? But that's who we are. We each one of us is a piece that adds to God's kingdom. Um, I do think that the calling is a dream that won't go away. It stays with you, you know. And you're willing to make room in your life for it. You're going to have to lay some things down sometimes. You're going to have to make space for it. You know, sometimes we're so caught up in doing so many things that we haven't got time to do the thing that God wants us to do. The other thing about a calling is you never retire from it. It's not a job. Duncan... Not, you're not retiring ever. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> if God has called you to do something, to bless and to and to you know bring life and to and to speak about His kingdom, if God has called you, it will end the day you die. That's it. That's all there's to it. Right. Let's get on to the sermon now. Sorry. <laughs> right. The double portion. <laughs> I hope you've brought your lunch. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm going to be really quick now. Anyway, right, the double portion. This is this, okay. 2 Kings, chapter 2, 
verses 1 to 15. This is the transition moment, right? Elijah is about to be taken away by God and Elisha is going to take over. It's really good. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. <laughs> I know, so, so, that's rude, right? I thought so as well. But... <laughs> then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. Everybody together? So be quiet. <laughs> then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho, who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Gosh, there's so much going on in this passage. First of all, Elijah doesn't even die. He goes straight to heaven. Wow. I want that. <laughs> Who wants that? <laughs> Only two people in the Bible. Anyone know who the other one was? Enoch. Enoch, it says he walked with God 300 years, something like that, and was no more. That means he was taken. So just Enoch and Elijah. So incredible. Um, I feel in this story we catch something of Elisha's commitment and devotion. So Elijah's saying to him, 
wait here, I've got to go, so I've got to go and do something. But Elisha, he, he uses um, oath language as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. He's not taking his eyes off Elijah. Uh, off Elijah. He just doesn't want to miss a thing. And then this bit where the prophets, obviously they, they are prophetic. They know that Elijah is going to get taken from them. Or maybe Elijah's, tell, maybe Elijah's gone to see them, to tell them, I've come for one last impartation of wisdom. I am going to be taken. And they're saying to Elisha, are you ready for this? And Elisha says, I know, yes, I am. Be quiet. Now the be quiet, I know it sounds rude and funny, but actually I think he's saying, I don't want to be distracted. I don't want fear to take over because he's about to be left on his own. He's been with Elijah all this time. It's easy when you're with your mentor. You know, you've got someone you can lean on, someone you can, you know, you can seek counsel from. You can, you know, get advice or share your struggles. He's about to be left on his own. He doesn't want anything to rob him of that this moment. And so he's, you know, he's almost saying, be quiet. And then... Elisha asks him, what can I do for you? One more thing. And he asks for this, this double portion of Elijah's spirit. He asks for this thing that um, it sounds like he's asking for, I want to be twice as good as you. I want to be, um, I want to have double your ability. Uh, it's almost, but it's like if I ask you for a hundred pounds and you've only got 50, I can ask all I like. <laughs> You can't, you can't give it to me. And Elijah can't give it either. It's completely God. God will decide. And God's put this condition in place. If you see me when I'm taken up in a whirlwind, you will get it. And again, we see Elisha, probably his eyes fixed on Elijah, like, you know, literally following him around. Like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. I'm not going to miss this because I want this. So what is this double portion? It can't possibly be I want to be better than you because that really doesn't sound very honouring, does it? So in the Bible, a double portion is something that was given to the firstborn, the heir. So a, a father would leave his inheritance to his sons. Daughters, we didn't get nothing in those days. <laughs> But the sons inherited, but the firstborn inherited double. And he was the official successor. He was the heir. He was the one who took the title, who got the whole, the, the responsibility and the privilege. And Elisha is asking that he be recognised as the one chosen by God. He just wants, I just want to be God's chosen one it's beautiful there's nothing wrong with that it's not greedy you know it's not ruthless it's not selfish it's something we should all desire I want to be God's chosen one yeah. nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that at all it just so happens that Elisha did perform double the miracles Elijah did you know that so there's your homework go and check if it's true <laughs> he did perform double but that's not that was not the point not because he asked for a double portion. That was God's gift to him. Just God does that. So um, it turns out that he was indeed Elijah's heir. He did see Elijah leave and he did get the double portion. 
And I think, and I was talking about this with Duncan in the week, actually, I think Elisha was ambitious for God. Now, we think of the word ambitious can carry uh, negative connotations as if somebody is, you know, power hungry, doing things for, their, for themselves, um, that they're just ruthless, they'll trample over people. Yeah, and that does exist, doesn't it? There's no doubt about it. Uh, we see that a lot in the corporate world, but it's just, that's just how, you know, worldly ambition is like that. But he was ambitious for the kingdom. Um, I looked up the word ambition and I think we need to reclaim it. I looked it up and the definition is having or showing a strong desire and determination to succeed. If we reclaim it, having or showing a strong desire and determination to be fruitful for God's kingdom. How about that? Amen. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Fruitful for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, we were saying with Duncan, maybe the word ambition doesn't sound right, but fruitful is, is something else, isn't it? Something else. And like I said before, if God opens a door, don't just shut it. Take it to God. I'm just going to share many years ago when we were meeting in the hall over there where the kids meet, where we do the baptism. So that was what, two venues ago? <laughs> Long time ago, I was asked to host for the very first time ever. I was so nervous. Oh, my goodness. Every bodily fluid was on standby. I was so <laughs> nervous. And although I didn't do a bad job, I did not enjoy a single second of it because I was so nervous. How awful. And then I went back to the guys, don't ever ask me again. I'm never doing that again. You know, it was like that. And then afterwards, a few months later, God said, don't ever reject a door that I've opened. If I've put you there, I will equip you. And he also, I felt very strongly, he said, it's not about you. It's, what, it's about what I will do through you. So what Elisha and Elijah do, it's not about them. What Elisha wanted wasn't about him. I said, God, I want you to do it through me as your heir, as your son. Do it through me. And we need to be desiring that massively. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out in the same way as after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit rested on certain individuals for a particular task, for a particular time. Yeah, so not everybody had the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But the New Testament, uh, the New Covenant rather, you know, where God promised, I will pour out my Spirit on all men and all women and all, you know, and you will prophesy and you will do amazing things in my name in, because of me dwelling in you, because of my Spirit dwelling in you. We should be asking for that double portion. You know, that double portion means you are a son, you are a daughter, you are inheriting something of God's kingdom. In Romans 8, 17, it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I just want to say that asking for a double portion is, it, it, it's mandatory, really, if you want to serve in God's kingdom. But it comes with responsibility and sacrifice. 
um, the more we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us, the more we need to be walking in holiness and righteous living and purity. And, um, you know, we often want God's blessing, but we're not prepared to sacrifice or lay down some of our own desires, some of our own dreams, and, and it comes with all of that. You know, throughout the Bible, we see people whose lives were completely given over to God, completely sold out to him. I mean, the, the apostles lived by the edge of their seats. <laughs> they, they were flogged, they were imprisoned, uh, threatened with execution, and many of them were executed. You know, that's how they lived, completely sold out, completely walking in their calling. It wasn't a job, it was a calling which we've already said, will take us to the very end. So it does come with sacrifice and laying down some of our own desires, but that's where we will see the joy of fruitfulness. The fruits of the Spirit will be in us. Um, you know, once we recognise, I am a son, I am a daughter, I want to be. I want to be walking in my calling and I don't know what it is yet. Once we recognise that, every sacrifice pales into insignificance. So we're going to pray now. Um, first of all, I want to pray for anyone who doesn't feel like a son or a daughter because that's the starting point. You only inherit when you're a son or a daughter. You can't inherit what, you, what you're not entitled to. So first we're going to pray for that. And so, uh, Father God, we thank you that you have called each one of us into your family. We thank you that uh, you have a calling for each one of us. And many of us still don't know what it is, but I just pray that first of all we will know that Jesus' sacrifice means we are sons and daughters now, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. And because of that, you want to pour out more and more of your spirit on us and through us. We thank you that it's not about us, but it's about what you will do through us once we know who we are in you. And so I pray sonship and daughtership over each one of us. Secondly, I want to pray for those of us who need to lay some things down. We might not know what it is yet but for God to make that clear. Lay things down and make space for what he wants you to do, for, what, for how he wants, what he wants you to walk in. And Heavenly Father, you know how cluttered our lives can be with the things that you haven't asked of us, you haven't required of us. And so we just pray that you will make clear in our minds and in our hearts most of all what it is we need to let go of and make clear what our calling is. Make that space, yeah, may we partner with you to make space in our lives to really be walking in the fruits of your spirit, your double, double spirit in our lives. And I feel that some of us need to desire God's calling. You know, it might just be, oh, well, I go to church, surely that's enough. I just want you to be so full of excitement. So we're going to ask for that.
Heavenly Father, yeah, once again we come and ask that your Holy Spirit will break down those walls and those barriers that are stopping us from just being excited for you. Just pray that our hearts will be open, that we'll want more. We'll know there's more to life than this. God, you have a calling for me and I will do it until the day I die. And we just pray more, Holy Spirit, more. Double. We are heirs and co-heirs. So we ask for double, just like Elisha did. May we be ambitious for your kingdom, but not the way the world sees ambition but the way you see it. Desperate and hungry to see your kingdom come. Yeah, fill us. Yeah. Hungry, thirsty. More, Lord, more. Yeah. And I pray that each one of us will just be now properly seeking God, never closing a door. If a door is open to you, step into it and then ask God, God, is this you? Is this you? And if it is, equip me. Give me everything I do. God doesn't, I have a fridge magnet that says God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So if you're called, he will give you everything you need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.